Good morning, church. Hello. My name is Daniel. For those of you who don't know me, welcome if you're new to the church. Praise God for the body of God that comes together and that works. Um, God is not without faith. He's faithful. And whenever there's doubt with us, God is not a liar. So he's always coming through. He's always looking after his church, his body, and it's beautiful. So I pray that you're encouraged this morning. I pray you're encouraged next week um, and over the next few weeks. Um, I was just thinking before I start and open in prayer, I was thinking it's 2019 and we still have this many people gathering in a room for Jesus. It's bizarre. It's bizarre. And when the Bible says that the love of many will grow cold and with all the chaos overseas and all the chaos in our country and all the hopelessness and dark times, um, suicide rates being up, depression, anxiety, the fact that we can come into a place like this on a Sunday morning for our invisible God who works. We see his works. We see what he does in our lives. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And this is what the light of the world is. So be encouraged. Be encouraged this morning. Let's bow our heads and pray. Let's come together and pray for this morning. Father in heaven, my God, you are a good God. And I thank you, my Lord, for this morning. I thank you for the church, Lord, the church that we get to be a part of, Father, your body. I pray, Father, that this morning we would be encouraged by your word, Lord, that you would reveal to us what you want us to know for our lives, my God, unto holiness, my God, and righteousness. And just pray that this morning, Lord, that you would cast out the enemy, any doubts, Father, that anything that uh, hinders your word going out, Father, that you would remove it, that you would put up a hedge around us, my God, that we would glorify your name this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I wanted to share this morning about um, issues, issues. We all have issues. And the Bible talks about issues that we have. The Bible talks about people who had issues and how they face them and how God handles our issues. And for many of us, I believe issues hinder us from coming to God. They hinder us from seeking fellowship. They hinder us from attending a Sunday morning. They hinder us from attending communion. They hinder us from raising our voice to God and asking for help. And the only thing that can help us with these issues is God. And the very thing that keeps us from God is our issues. And it's this vicious cycle. It's this vicious cycle. And it's phenomenal how these issues, when you look back on them after years, you think, really, that was it? Like, that was what kept me from God? Or that was what kept me from giving my heart? Or that was what kept me from loving or forgiving this person? And these issues, they seem to be the very thing in that moment that do that. That do that. Sometimes people deny their faith because of their issues. Sometimes people deny Jesus because of their issues. Sometimes people commit suicide because of their issues. In fact, this week I had a close friend of mine who lost a friend to suicide. It was heartbreaking. And, and the, the way that it happened, you think to yourself, what? Like, what issue could you have that you would go to such lengths to hurt yourself like this? But, but it's heartbreaking because this is the world full of issues. A world where the light of the world is being pushed out by darkness, and those who are meant to be the light of the world are scared sometimes, are fearless, or uh, held down by these issues, by these issues. And there's a beautiful passage in Mark, if you could turn with me, Mark chapter 5, about a person who has an issue. And this issue, it didn't go away after a day 
or a week or a month. And it didn't go away after a year or two years. But this person had to live with this issue for 12 years. 12 years. And this issue wasn't an issue that was just in the mind. It wasn't an issue that was just with the flesh. It wasn't just a spiritual issue. It wasn't a conflict with a friend. This was something that separated this person from every single thing in her life. Every single thing for 12 years. 12 years. And this issue, when this person came to the only thing that could fix the issue, was fixed like this. The Bible says immediately. Immediately. Mark chapter 5, verse 21. And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there came unto him one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. I pray you, come and lay hands on her that she may be healed. This person's bringing an issue that they have. It's the only issue that they have at the moment to Jesus. And while this is happening, Jesus went with him and much people followed and thronged him, meaning they mobbed around him. They were touching him. They were bumping him. They were almost stopping him from getting to where he needed to go for this man. So I think to myself, man, this man must have been really worried. He must have thought, move away, move away. I've got, I've got an issue that I've just come and I've brought before God and I need it to be dealt with. And all these people are bringing their issues and they're stopping him. And he would have felt really, come on, I just had a conversation with him, move. And then it says, as they thronged him, verse 25, And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years, 12 years, And suffered many things of many physicians. She'd been to so many doctors and she spent all that she had. And nothing got better, but everything got worse. Twelve years. This lady had an issue of blood. The issue of blood was actually quite significant in Jewish times. Because when a woman, uh, it's, it's controversial now, even sometimes you don't want to talk about that stuff. But uh, when a woman bled, sometimes... She would bleed out of time, out of her cycle. Sometimes it would go for longer. Sometimes it wouldn't come at all. And then it would go on for a longer period of time. And whenever she bled, she was unclean. She was unclean. She was looked at at being dirty, lesser. Stay away from me. You're bleeding. And she had this issue of blood for 12 years. 12 years. It blows my mind because I think back when I was um, 17... The amount of things that have happened from 17 to where I am now. And I think, imagine feeling dirty for 12 years. Imagine going to a doctor and selling everything that you have. It says that she spent all that she had. Spending everything that you have saying, help me. What is wrong with me? Why do people look at me funny? Why do I feel the way that I feel? Help me, please. I'll sell more. I sold my couch yesterday. Maybe I'll sell my, um, my bed. Maybe I'll start selling food. Maybe I'll start... Who knows? Who knows what else she was selling? She sold everything that she had. She spent it all, and nothing helped her. Nothing. Almost like today, when every issue that you have, you find yourself reading self-help books, 
Googling it, I Google for everything, and, I, and it's a terrible habit, and I always stop myself. But Googling things, going to friends who aren't Christian maybe, going to ungodly counselors, going to the world, and spending everything that you have, every bit of energy, every bit of actual money that you've got to see a psychologist or a psychiatrist. And, and for what? And for what? To numb yourself? <laughs> to, to get... Counsel that fixes you in five easy steps but only lasts six months. It's, it's phenomenal. And when you spend everything that you have to be fixed by professionals, by people who are saying to you, I can fix you, give me your money and I'll fix you. Give me your hope and I'll fix you. Give me your faith and I'll fix you. And you're not fixed. What do you feel like after 12 years? I don't know. I, I think to myself, I, if I'm dealing with something for a week, I'm exhausted by Sunday. I think, so, oh, I wake up in the morning and think, oh, I haven't bothered going to church. Oh, but I've been so down. I've been feeling so helpless, let alone 12 years. And she got worse. She didn't get better. Nothing helped her, not even a little bit. She got worse progressively for 12 years. Verse 27, and when she had heard Jesus, Jesus, when she had heard of Jesus and came in the press behind him and touched his garment... She said, if I can only touch his clothes, I shall be made whole. Think of the desperation of a woman who in this time, Jesus hadn't died and risen again. We're not now after the resurrection of Jesus where Jesus has been um, known to be the Messiah. People had to put faith in a man who came and said, I'm the son of God. And she comes and she hears the name of Jesus and she thinks to herself, I just want to touch his clothes. Now, I think to myself, when I look at that, that's very significant, because when professionals have not been able to help you for 12 years, and when you are at your your wit's end, because I think to myself, she probably wanted to die, bleeding for 12 years? Like, do you not think she came to the point where she just thought, God, take me? God, end it? But she hears the name Jesus, and she thinks, if only I can touch his clothes. Not if he can touch me. Not if he can speak to me, not if he can give me, if I can touch his clothes. That faith, that faith is what we call saving faith. It saves you. It's the thing that when you think on a Sunday morning, when you hear something that pricks your heart and you think to yourself, oh, that was God. That wasn't from that man. Or that was, that was from the word. I need to do something about this. Saving faith is when you grab that and you think, I only need to do this thing. Not worrying about Monday, not worrying about what else is going to happen throughout the week, not worrying about what your friends and family are going to think, but thinking, if only I do this, if only I do this, I will be made whole. And that faith is the very thing that after 12 years worked. Phenomenal. But I want to talk to you about her life before she's healed, of what she would have had to go through for that 12 years. Turn with me to Leviticus. Leviticus, in the Old Testament, Leviticus chapter 15, this is all the Jewish laws, Leviticus chapter 15, verse 19, and this is the time, this is the law that she was under, she wasn't under the time of grace after Jesus, this is what she had to live with, this is how, I want you to think while we read through this, what would it feel like? What would it feel like to be in this situation? What would it feel like to be perceived as she was perceived? Listen to this, verse 19. And if a woman has an issue 
and her issue in her flesh is blood. Is this not her? It says, She shall be put apart for seven days, and whoever touches her will also be unclean until evening. And everything that she lies on in her separation will be unclean. Everything that she sits on will be unclean. Whoever touches her bed has to wash their clothes and bathe themselves in water, and they will be unclean. Think about the lack of security, the insecurity, in fact, that you would have going everywhere, everywhere, knowing that if I touch something or bump something, I've now made that unclean, and no one will want to touch that, so all of a sudden people look at me and say, don't touch, don't touch, don't touch me, don't touch my things, don't speak to me, don't come to me, for seven days, seven days. So I think to myself, if she had an issue of blood for 12 years, there wasn't a single period in that 12 years where she was clean for seven days. She would have been put apart for seven days, kept bleeding, well, put apart for another seven days, kept bleeding. 12 years. I, I, I find it phenomenal. I find it phenomenal, honestly. For 12 years, no one could touch her. No one could touch her. For 12 years, when she lay down, her bed was diseased. Her seats were diseased. I think to myself, she would have had disgusting clothes, disgusting bandages. She would have had um, a smell or an odor about her because who's going to let her shower? Who's going to let her bathe? She's unclean. You can't touch the bed or the seat. Who's going to put her into the pool? She would have stunk. Yet for some reason, she was in the crowd that was mobbing around Jesus. She had the courage with all of that insecurity, knowing that she wasn't allowed to touch anything, knowing that no one wanted to touch her. She had the courage and the faith, knowing that if I only touch the hem of his garment, I'm going to be made whole, to touch people, to push through. And I think to myself, people would have pushed like this. They would have pushed away and hurt others to stay away from her. They would have looked at her and said, get out of here, get away I've got my issue and you're unclean. Don't go next to him. He's holy. Don't go next to me. I'm holy. Don't touch anything. Stay away from me. How would that have made her feel? No love. No love. Keep reading in Leviticus. It says, Whoever touches those things shall be unclean. But if she be cleansed of her issue... Then she shall number to herself seven days, and after that she shall be clean. And then on the eighth day, she has to do this and that and sacrifice some birds, and then she'll be clean. But she never got to the eighth day. She got to 12 years, and nothing happened. And then we read on in Mark. Phenomenal. I find it phenomenal that the law, the law itself was so clear, so clear on the dirtiness of her issue. Yet Jesus, when we read... When she went out of her way to touch him, listen to his response. Verse 28, for she said, if I may touch his clothes, I shall be made whole. So verse 29, and straight away, as soon as she touched him, straight away, immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up. Amazing. 12 years, guys. 12 years. She spent everything. And all she had to do was touch the garment of Jesus. Touch it. Phenomenal. And she felt in her body that she was healed of the plague. 
She was made whole. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that goodness had gone out of him, turned in the press and said, who touched me? Who touched me? Now, the words of Jesus here are beautiful because who touched me? We know that Jesus knows a lot of things. When Jesus asks who touched me, I don't think it was because, one, he didn't know. And I also don't think, two, because he really um, was angry that someone had touched him. Because when we continue to read on, the disciples say, everyone is touching you. Everyone is touching you. You've got an entire mob Jesus around you. An entire city is pressing against you. And you're saying, who touched you? But he turns around and he says, who touched you? Because I think to myself, her entire insecurity for the entire 12 years was, I can't touch anything. I can't touch anything. I can't touch people, and I can't be touched. Right? And then as soon as she touches just the hem of his garment, he goes, who touched me? Think of what those words would have done in her mind. Think of the insecurity she would have had to overcome in that one moment. That one moment. It could have been a few seconds. In fact, when I picture it, um, Myself, because when I read the word, I always picture and, and, and envision things. I picture that when he turned around and said, who touched me, they would have scattered. Like people would have like kind of backed off, right? And you would have had this woman who would have been standing there or on her knees or falling down. And she's thinking to herself, what have I done? What have I done? He's meant to be a holy man. He's meant to be the son of God. And I've just made him unclean. I've just put my dirtiness on him. I've just put my filth, the very thing that's kept me separated from God, separated from the temple, separated from my friends, separated from my family. Not much different than sin. Not much different than sin. In fact, I think that the issue of blood is a beautiful picture of sin. The sin that continually flows out and you can go and pay doctors to tell me how do I stop being angry how or you can go and buy a book that says the five key steps to to not being angry and it says when you go go outside and take a breath as a teacher as a teacher I uh, I work in the state school and it's very hard to work in a, in a state school and be a Christian and share Christian um, uh, principles with children without uh, overstepping guidelines without getting uh, taken to the courts, yeah? Do you know how hard it is? I had a kid, he was eight, eight years old last year, and he came up to me and he said to me, Sir, I hate myself. And I said, Why do you hate yourself? And he said, Because I'm always angry. I've got this thing inside me and I hate it. I don't know what to do with it. How do I get it out? I'm always angry. Just like a fountain, like a fountain of blood, like a fountain of anger, a fountain of sin. Yeah, I've got a, another kid in my grade who can't can't stop themselves from swearing to other kids. And when I pull them aside and I sit with them, I say, "What are you doing? What are you doing?" Like a fountain, it just keeps coming out, keeps coming out. And you've got Jesus, who says, "Who touched me? Who touched me?" And these kids. And these people in this world that needs to touch Jesus, and when they touch him and they're healed immediately, Jesus turns around and says, who touched me? Almost as though there's one more thing you need to overcome here. There's one more obstacle you need to jump over here. And you need to show me faith. 
not just in touching me, not just in the laying of your sin on me, not just in the God take my sin, but in the confession of it's me, God. It's me. It was me. It's the dirty one. It's the one that no one loves. It's the outcast that's been cast out by every single person for 12 years. It's me, God. And when you come before God and you say, not just God forgive me, or God take away this issue, God do this, it's God, you've called me by name. You've called me by name. It's me. It's Daniel. It's Daniel. I'm a sinner. I'm dirty. Help me. And look at what Jesus goes on to say. So his disciples turn around, they say, who touched me? And he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. So he looks around and he, and, he, and he sees her. But the woman, fearing and trembling, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her. Isn't that beautiful? It doesn't say fearing and trembling because of the words he spoke. It says fearing and trembling because of what was done in her. Because for 12 years, nothing had changed. She touches, touches the garment of Christ and she feels different. She feels the plague go. This is what made her fear and tremble. This is God. This is God. God has changed me. And she came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And told him all the truth. And he says to her, daughter, daughter, I love it. It's not unclean one. It's not woman. It's not person. It's very intimate. The very thing that you haven't had for 12 years. The very thing that's kept you out. I'm now bringing you into my family. Daughter. Your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of your plague. Isn't that beautiful? Daughter. Daughter. A child of God. That the loneliness I felt when I was in my sin... The issue that kept me from crying out to God, thinking that he would condemn me, thinking that because Satan was whispering lies into my ear saying, don't say that, don't speak to God about that issue. Oh, that's, didn't you hear about all the other issues happening in the church that are more important? Don't pray about that. Or don't go and seek an elder about that. Don't confess that one. That's, that's dealt with. That was dealt with when you said, oh, forgive me for my sins, God. Don't confess that one. No, no, no. Confess it all. Tell the whole truth says that she told the whole truth to him. Everything. It's me, God. This is everything that I am. Everything that I am. And I lay it on you. I lay it on you. And he says, daughter, child, you're mine now. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't it beautiful that the healing of God isn't just physical? That would have restored her mentally, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Every single thing that her issue had damaged Every single thing, every relationship would have been made whole. The people would have looked at her and she would have turned into almost like a celebrity in the town. Like, you're clean. He called you daughter. I love you. Like, come, let's talk. Come, to, come over. She would, have been, uh, she would have been blown away by the way she was received. But I'll tell you the difference between the way she was treated afterwards and the way that we should treat people with issues or that we should expect to be treated in a church. When people are coming to Christ with issues, it is very easy to judge them. It is very easy to say, whoa, you're unclean. 
you're unclean, don't touch me, keep your issue away, yeah? As Christians, we need to be the light of the world. We need to be, when we're in that throng around Christ, which is this, we need to be able to say to ourselves, brother, let me help you. Let me help you. Brother, listen, that sin of yours that's making you unclean, let's go to Jesus together. Let's go to Jesus together. Let's eat together, yeah? Not while you're in your sin, but after you've been made whole. But let me carry you there. Let me show you. Let me be Christ to you. Let me love you. Because I know what it feels like to be the outcast. I know what my sin did to me. I know that my sin separated me from God for, um, before I became a Christian, what? 21 years I was separated. 21 years. How can I now judge? How can I now judge the person who has the issue? How can I now judge the person who says, I've got sin? What am I going to judge them for? 21 years I know what it felt like to be an outcast from God. But now I'm a child. Now I know. God looks at me. Son, you've been made whole. You've been made whole. So what's your issue? What's your issue? And how long have you had it for? Because it's exhausting. Fighting your own battle, selling everything you have, trying to get worldly help. It's, a, it's exhausting. But Jesus says, come to me. Come to me, all you who are heavy laden. All you who are tired. You're sick of it. You're sick of going through life carrying your issues. Sick of life with carrying other people's issues. Come, and I will give you rest. And I will give you rest. Let's bow our heads and pray. While your heads are bowed, I want you to meditate on whatever issue God is speaking to you about. Whatever the thing is that you've had, doesn't matter how long it is, doesn't matter how, how serious you think it might be or how not serious you think it might be, anything that keeps you away from God needs to be dealt with. Jesus understands the shame. Jesus understands the emotional hurt. He understands the insecurities. And he comes willing, willing to be touched, willing to, to give goodness and to make you clean. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for showing us the heart of the Father. Thank you for being willing to be touched, my God. Thank you for not casting us out, Lord. When we were dirty, when we were sinners, you loved us, my God. You loved us first. You died for us when we were still in our sin. I thank you for this, my God. We glorify you for this. Lord Jesus, I just pray that any issue that's separating us from you, my God, that you would not only reveal it, Father, but show us, show us how to, to come and lay it at your feet, my God. Show us how to come past the insecurities, past the people, and to just touch you, my God, and to, to tell you the whole truth. I pray, Father, that this would be liberating, my God, that you would cleanse us from every issue, every sin, Father, that you would be glorified, my God, before you come, that you would use your church, Lord, to show your love, not your coldness, my God, not the, not the coldness that the world says that you, you have, Father, but the warmth and the love that you, you show to us, my God. I pray that we would show it to the world. Thank you for all these things, Lord. Bless the rest of the day in Jesus' name.
Amen.